Well, this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and we will be looking this morning at verses 19 through 23. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you or located in those chairs if you want to use those, or you can just listen along. I think you'll be able to easily follow along with me this morning. The book that Pastor Chad mentioned that we are giving away at the end of the service, Easter Uncut by Carl Lafferton, is an excellent book. Um, Much of the book is based on the Gospel of John. I have also uh, chosen to use the Gospel of John for this Easter season. We are in John on Palm Sunday. We were in the Gospel of John on Good Friday, and we are in the Gospel of John again this morning. John 20 is the resurrection chapter in the Gospel of John. This is the day that Jesus rises from the dead, and we come to this biblical scene, and it is in the evening of that resurrection day, and this is what we read. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Well, our first point this morning is he is alive. On Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we rejoice and celebrate together the fact that we serve a risen Savior. It is a wonderful biblical fact, the resurrection of Christ, that the whole Bible is based upon it. In the Old Testament, as it foretells the coming of the Messiah, in the New Testament, as it proclaims the risen Savior, it is all based on a Savior, a Messiah, who overcomes sin and death. And the only way that he can overcome sin and death is if he is alive. And I say to you this morning, folks, if Jesus is not alive, he is not a savior. He may be a great moral teacher. He may be a great example. But if he is not alive, he is not a savior. Our Christian faith stands or falls on the bodily resurrection of Christ. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in the very same body in which he died. That is the great truth of the Christian faith. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in the very same body, in the very same body in which 
he died. But this morning I want to challenge us with this truth. His resurrection must be more than just information we hold to. It must be more than academic. It must be more than just theological. It must affect the way we live. His resurrection must affect, excuse me, affect the problems we face, the decisions we make, and how we relate to God and how we relate to other people. And I want you to think with me this morning, what does it mean right now? Right now, that he is alive. In John chapter 20, we have Jesus' very first resurrection appearance to all his disciples, the 11 apostles. It's the first time he appears to them together. In the morning, according to John chapter 20, he appears to Mary Magdalene. This is the evening he appears to them. Judas is gone. He has betrayed him. He has committed suicide. But the 11 are there. And this is what I want to do this morning. I want us to look at verses 20 through 23 and then come back and look at verse 19. I want us to see what is happening here and then come back and ask ourselves, what does it mean to us right now, this morning? Well, in this passage, twice, Jesus repeats the phrase, peace be with you. At the end of verse 19, peace be with you. In the middle of verse 21, peace be with you. And if he says it twice, that must mean it's very significant. This is the first time he meets with them. This is the first time together, collectively, they see him alive. And that's what he says to them, peace be with you. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the peace of God. I'm with you. The peace of God is with you because I am that peace. You see, peace is not something we strive for. It is not something we work for. Peace is a gift of God. It is the result of knowing Christ as Savior and Lord. And the peace of God means at least three things. It means more than three things, but there are three major things that it means in the New Testament. First of all, it means that we have peace with God. We were once enemies of God. We all, like sheep, had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way. But Jesus Christ, upon the cross of Calvary, took upon himself all of our sin, all of our punishment, and all of our condemnation, and paid for it thoroughly and completely so that now, Now, through Christ, we are at peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. But not only do we have peace with God, but we have peace with each other in the family of God. That's what we have been studying in the book of Ephesians, which we will return to next Sunday morning. But we have learned that Jews and Gentiles are now one new man in Christ. The dividing wall of hostility between us has been torn down in Christ. 
And in Ephesians chapter 4, we are commanded to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Maintain the supernatural unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. But not only do we have peace with God, not only do we have peace with others, but we have peace between us and our souls. Our souls are now at rest. We experience a peace that passes all understanding. The hymn writer said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And so twice, Jesus says, peace be with you. In verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He showed them his hands and his side, the very evidence that he had accomplished their salvation upon the cross and in his resurrection. A number of years ago, I preached an entire sermon on the truth that Jesus bears his scars eternally. He is in his resurrection, glorified, perfect body, and yet he showed them his hands and his side. Why? Because one day, in heaven, he presents himself as the slain lamb of God who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals, who is worthy to purchase men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Oh yes, eternally, forever and ever, he will be. He will be the slain lamb of God who has accomplished our salvation. And in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And then he says this, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You are going to be my ambassadors. You are going to be my representatives to the ends of the earth. You are going to take my gospel. You are going to tell people that I have accomplished a full and free salvation. And they must come to me and receive me as Lord and Savior. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he says this, don't miss it this morning. Right after that it says in verse 22, And when he had said this, what did he just say? He said, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't say they were going to receive the Holy Spirit at that very moment. No, they would receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come down as Flaming tongues and rest upon them. 
flaming tongues of fire that would rest upon them. And from that day forward, from that day forward, every person who believes in Jesus Christ would be immediately and permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. After the Holy Spirit first arrives on the day of Pentecost, from that day forward, every believer in Jesus Christ immediately and permanently receives the Holy Spirit at the time that they believe. But what he is saying is, the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. But you will not go forth in your own power. You will go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will go forth with the risen Savior with you all the time. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. In the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And all of that leads to verse 23. Jesus says this. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now that may seem like a complicated verse, but it's not. It is not. What Jesus is saying, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you, you will go forth in the power of my Holy Spirit with the risen Jesus always with you. And what we have in verse 23 is gospel power and gospel responsibility. Gospel power and gospel responsibility. As New Testament Christians, we now have the completed word of God. You will go forth as Jesus has sent you. You will go forth And you will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of his spirit with the risen Savior always with you proclaiming his gospel. And he has given you as believers in Jesus Christ the right and the privilege to say to people, you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you do, you will be forgiven. And if you do not, you will not be forgiven. I stand before you this morning as a weak and sinful man. But in this weak and sinful body, I have the Holy Spirit. And the risen Savior is right here with me, right now. He's with us. He is alive and he is with us right now. So when I preach and teach the Bible, what is what I'm, which is what I'm supposed to do, that word is proclaimed with all the authority and power of Scripture. It is proclaimed with the power of the Holy Spirit. It is proclaimed with the power and authority of the risen Savior who stands right with me. 
And God has given me the great privilege and great responsibility to say to people that Jesus Christ has accomplished our salvation fully and completely on the cross, even as I shared with you Friday night and Good Friday. It is finished. Salvation has been accomplished. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be forgiven of your sins. You will come into a right relationship with God, and you will be assured of a place in heaven when you die. But if you do not receive him, you will not be forgiven. You will not go to heaven when you die. And one day you will face Jesus not as Savior and friend, but as judge. And God gives that same privilege and same responsibility to every single Christian as you witness and share your faith with others. He gives that same privilege and responsibility to every pastor, every teacher, and every missionary as they go forth. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Well, that's what this says. That's what happens in this great biblical scene. But now I want us to ask, what does it mean for us right now on this day? And our second point this morning is my Savior. Our first point is he is alive. Our second point is my Savior. He's my Savior. And I want to go back and, as I said, and look at verse 19. In verse 19, again, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. I want you to notice three things in verse 19 that would be easy to skim over or overlook. The first thing I want you to notice is this. When Jesus first appeared to his disciples, the doors were locked. In this very first appearance to the collective group of his disciples, the doors were locked. But he comes in. And he's right there with them. Jesus didn't have to knock. And he didn't have to open the door. He was just there. Because he's alive in his resurrected, glorified body. But I want you to understand something very, very important with me this morning. Jesus is not a ghost. He is not a spirit. He is in his resurrection body. He showed them his hands and his side. They saw it. They saw his body. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 39, Luke adds something very important. That Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, says to his disciples, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
his scars. Hands and feet inside. He has flesh and bones. He has a body. A real body. Risen and glorified. But he's in a body. And he can go wherever he wants to go. And I want you to understand this morning that Jesus can go where no one else can go. He's always with you. When you're at home in your bedroom, when you're driving in your car, when you're walking in the woods, when you are in a crowd of 10,000 people, he's right there. He's right there with you. And not only can he go where no one else can go, but in his resurrection from the dead, he can do what no one else can do. He can go beyond what any pastor can do, what any counselor can do, what any doctor can do, what any friend can do, what any lover can do. Jesus can come into places of your life where no one else can go. Into those secret places of your life that other people don't even know exist. Any part of your life, he's there. He walks right in. And he is with you. Secondly, I want you to notice when Jesus first appeared to his disciples, they were afraid. It says the doors, verse 19, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. The disciples were afraid and understandably so. They had given their lives to Jesus. They had left everything for him. Peter proclaims in Matthew 16, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But then he is rejected. Jesus, Jesus is rejected. He is mocked. He is beaten, he is tortured, and he is crucified. And they watch him die. And they watch him die. And they are afraid. Peter was so afraid that he denied Jesus three times. Denied even knowing And Jesus walks right into the midst of their fear. Right into the middle of their fear. I want to confess to you this morning that there are many times in my life that I'm afraid. And I don't know about you, but I need a risen Savior more than any other time. When I'm afraid, there are some times when I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do and I face problems that I don't know how to solve. And I've tried so many ways and it hasn't worked and I am afraid. We all are afraid at times if we admit it. 
go through times where we are burdened. We go through times when we suffer. We go through times when we endure severe trials. We go through times when we have conflicts with other people and they never seem to get resolved. There are times when people leave us and they abandon us and they wound us and they hurt us. We all have loved ones who don't know Jesus. We have loved ones who aren't walking with the Lord. And we don't know if they ever will. And we are afraid. Hundreds of times in my life I have prayed this prayer. Jesus, please help me. Please help me. It's not a fancy prayer. It doesn't have great theological words. I'm not trying to impress God with how much I know. I just want him to know I desperately need him. And I want you to know this morning that when you are afraid, he walks right into the midst of your fear. Jesus always comes to his own when they are afraid. Jesus always comes to his own when they are afraid. Third thing that I want you to notice. When Jesus first appeared to his disciples, he came and stood among them. The end of verse 19, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. He did not stand at a distance. He didn't stand outside the door. He didn't look in the window. He's not a, some aloof God. No. He comes right in. Right where they are. And he stands among them. He didn't play games with their faith. He didn't toy with their faith. He didn't belittle them for their faith. He wanted them to see him. He wanted them to know him. He wanted them to believe in him. And he wanted them to love him. Sometimes when we go through really hard times, we say, where is God? Why is he allowing me to go through this? Couldn't he have stopped this? And Jesus wants you to know when you ask those questions, he's right there. When you ask, where is he? He's right there with you. He comes and stands with you. Today, the risen Jesus wants you to experience him just as his first disciples did.
He wants you to know him. If you don't know him, he wants you to receive him as Lord and Savior. He wants to forgive you. And he wants you to experience his presence. He wants you. Child of God, Jesus wants you to draw. Jesus wants to draw near to you. Jesus wants to come into the places of your life where no one else can go. Jesus, the risen Jesus, wants to calm your greatest fears. He wants to calm your fears in a way that no one else can. The risen Jesus wants to come close to you, not at a distance, but right where you are at. Right where you are at. And this morning, right now, Jesus wants to whisper in your ear, peace be with you. I am the peace of God, and I am with you. And when you leave this auditorium this morning, if you know Jesus as your Savior, he will be with you. Always. Always. Let's pray together. Father, We thank you for our risen Savior. We thank you that he is alive and he is with us. Wherever we go, wherever we, whatever we experience, comfort our hearts, encourage us. Lord, we praise you. We glorify you. We exalt you. In Jesus' name. Amen.